On November 2nd, 2021, millions of Americans went to the polls to vote in a variety of federal, state, and local elections. Some of the results were not shocking, such as Democrat Chantel Brown's victory in the Ohio 11th Congressional District, which has a Cook Partisan Voting Index of D plus 30. Others, however, were quite shocking. Arguably the most significant result of this recent election cycle, widely characterized as a red wave, was that of Virginia gubernatorial election. In this election, Republican businessman Glenn Youngkin triumphed over the mildly favored Democratic former Governor Terry McAuliffe. Youngkin's upset victory was attributed primarily to backlash against the teaching of critical race theory in schools, as well as the COVID-19 mask and vaccine mandates. Meanwhile, in New Jersey's gubernatorial election, Democratic incumbent Phil Murphy squeaked out a narrow victory against Republican former State Assemblyman Jack Chitterelli. In spite of Murphy's victory, the election has also been called a failure for Democrats, as Murphy won by a small margin of 2.6%, despite being favored to win by over 8%. Other surprising results occurred on the local level. Following his loss in the Democratic primary, incumbent Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown, a moderate Democrat, launched a write-in re-election campaign against the winner of the primary, self-proclaimed socialist India Walton. Although the race has not yet been called, Brown will almost certainly be the winner. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which was rocked by the 2020 murder of George Floyd and ensuing protests, overwhelmingly voted not to remove and replace its police department. However, arguably the most shocking election result occurred in New Jersey's third legislative district. In the district's state senate election, Democratic incumbent Stephen Sweeney, the president of the New Jersey Senate, was dethroned by Republican Edward Durr, a truck driver who spent a grand total of $153 on his campaign. Prior to the 2021 election cycle, many political upsets had occurred, especially in primary elections. For example, in my episode about the new members of Congress inaugurated in 2021, I talked about Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. Tuberville, the former head coach of the Auburn University football team, won a massive upset victory in the Republican Senate primary against former Alabama Senator and U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Tuberville went on to defeat incumbent Democratic Senator Doug Jones, who himself was elected under unusual circumstances. In the 2017 Senate special election in Alabama, Jones edged out a narrow victory against Republican State Chief Justice Roy Moore. Alabama is consistently ranked one of the most heavily Republican states, and yet Jones, a Democrat, still won the election, mostly because his opponent was an admitted sexual predator. Back in 2016, now Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a bartender and waitress, became a progressive folk hero after defeating House Democratic Chair Joe Crowley in the Democratic primary for the House seat in New York's 14th Congressional District. Similarly, 
In 2014, Republican House Majority Leader Eric Cantor was unseated by libertarian-leaning Republican Dave Bratt at the height of the limited government Tea Party wave. Other upsets have occurred in general elections. For example, in 2008, Republican attorney Joseph Cow defeated nine-term incumbent Democratic Representative William Jefferson in Louisiana's 2nd Congressional District, which has a Cook PVI of D plus 25. Cow, the first Vietnamese-American in Congress, also gained notoriety for unseating an African-American incumbent in a predominantly black constituency. Similarly to Byron Brown's recent victory in Buffalo, in 2010, incumbent Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski launched a writing campaign after losing the Republican primary to Joe Miller. Murkowski won the election, becoming the second writing candidate to win a U.S. Senate election after Strom Thurmond of South Carolina. You'll hear more about him later in this episode, as well as in a previous episode I did about him specifically. Even compared to all of these upsets, it is always shocking when a dark horse candidate wins a presidential election. And yet, that has happened numerous times in U.S. history including one election result that was so unexpected that the race was initially called for the loser. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 49th episode of this podcast, and I really can't thank you enough for listening. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Pulling off an upset victory in a presidential election is difficult, but certainly not impossible. Generally, a successful dark horse candidate is extremely charismatic. For example, take the 2008 Democratic presidential primaries. Former First Lady and U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, a political juggernaut, was heavily favored to win the Democratic nomination. However, in January of 2008, seemingly out of nowhere came a junior senator from Illinois who hadn't even finished his first term. His name was Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton hasn't really had a hot streak as a heavily favored presidential candidate, as evidenced by another upset victory. To talk about that, you need to enter the world of Donald Trump, the epitome of a dark horse political outsider. Despite having no political experience whatsoever, Trump triumphed in the 2016 Republican presidential primaries over a crowded field of senators, governors, and others. He then went on to defeat Clinton in the general election, even though Clinton was favored to win by a massive margin. 
As shocking as this was to everyone in 2016, it is even crazier when an incumbent president is seen as a dark horse and yet still wins an upset victory. Practically the only way for this to happen is if the incumbent is not elected, but rather takes office following the death or resignation of their predecessor. In American history, the antithesis of a dark horse presidential candidate was Franklin Roosevelt. As one of, if not the most popular presidents in U.S. history, Roosevelt served for over 12 years, winning four elections. Not as well known is the fact that Roosevelt was already dying from coronary artery disease while running for re-election in 1944. Within three months of the start of his fourth term, Roosevelt died from a cerebral hemorrhage on April 12, 1945 at his warm weather retreat in Georgia. The office of president then fell upon Roosevelt's vice president, Harry S. Truman. Thankfully for President Truman, Roosevelt had tackled many national and international issues during his own term. Nazi Germany was on the brink of surrender in World War II, and within three weeks of Truman's inauguration, Adolf Hitler would take his own life. In addition, the Great Depression had long been over due to a combination of Roosevelt's New Deal and the jobs created by World War II. However, there was still the issue of how to restructure Germany's post-war government. In addition, many White House officials resigned after Roosevelt's death, leaving the executive branch critically understaffed. And this isn't even mentioning the fact that the Japanese military was still fighting to the death in the Pacific. On his first day in office, Truman was told something he had no prior knowledge about. The US military had created an atomic bomb. Left with the choice of either a long and bloody land invasion of Japan, or the never-seen-before detonation of a nuclear device on human beings, Truman chose the latter. Although the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki brought a swift end to World War II, the killing of over 100,000 civilians in the blink of an eye left many voters feeling uneasy. As part of the denazification efforts in post-war Europe, Truman signed off on the Marshall Plan, which gave billions in foreign aid to European countries for the purpose of rebuilding anti-fascist and anti-communist governments. Although the Marshall Plan is lauded nowadays for bringing democracy to a continent that was ravaged by Nazi Germany, Americans in the 1940s weren't so excited to have their tax dollars sent overseas. Truman also had to deal with the Berlin blockade, during which a blockade of West Berlin by the Soviet Union nearly caused the Cold War to go hot. All of these issues reflected poorly on Truman, as evidenced by the 1946 midterm elections, in which the Republican Party retook both houses of Congress as well as a majority of state governorships. Remember, Truman was a Democrat. By spring of 1948, Truman's approval rating sat at a pitiful 36%, and it seemed that his time as president was up. (music) 
1948 Democratic National Convention pitted Truman against Georgia Senator Richard Russell Jr. and New York Representative James A. Rowe, as well as a few other minor candidates. At the convention, Truman won the nomination with 76% of delegates, with Kentucky Senator Albin Barkley chosen as his running mate. Historically, it's a very bad sign when an incumbent doesn't win a primary with over 90% of the vote. For example, Jimmy Carter's historic loss in the 1980 presidential election was precipitated by him earning only 51% of the vote in the Democratic primary. Truman suffered another setback on July 14, 1948, the final day of the convention. After Truman and several other Northern Democrats voted to adopt a platform in favor of increased civil rights for black Americans, 35 Southern Democrats, led by South Carolina Governor Strom Thurmond, walked out of the convention. These Democrats, in turn, formed a pro-segregation party called the State's Rights Democratic Party, colloquially known as the Dixiecrat Party. The Dixiecrats then nominated Thurman to run for president, with Mississippi Governor Fielding Wright as his running mate. In addition, more left-leaning members of the Democratic Party left the party to establish the Progressive Party, which nominated former Vice President Henry Wallace as its candidate, with Idaho Senator Glenn Taylor as his running mate. The presence of these third-party candidates led to fears that Truman, Thurmond, and Wallace would split the Democratic vote, paving the way for an easy Republican victory. The Republican primaries were eventually won by New York Governor Thomas Dewey, with California Governor and future Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren as his running mate. With the combination of Truman's low approval ratings and the various offshoot parties holding the Democrats back, Dewey believed his win was inevitable and that all he had to do to win was to avoid major mistakes. This led to Dewey making notably vague statements regarding his campaign, rather than actually discussing pressing issues. Practically every political pundit predicted a landslide victory in favor of Dewey, with members of Truman's campaign believing that this election would be a last hurrah. Even Truman's own wife, Bess, believed that he had a near zero chance of winning the election. To many people, it seemed that November 2nd, 1948 would be a predictable day and that Thomas Dewey would wipe the floor with Harry Truman. Before any of the polls even closed, the Chicago Tribune, a Republican-leaning newspaper that had previously referred to Truman as a nincompoop, called the election for Thomas Dewey. Thousands of newspapers were printed and distributed with the banner headline, Dewey Defeats Truman. Truman, who was at this point less than optimistic about the results, went to bed early that night. Shortly after he fell asleep, however, the first results came in, showing Truman in the lead. Most pundits dismissed this as pure chance, claiming that later results would bring about a certain Dewey victory. The next morning, however, when Truman awoke, he learned that he was in fact leading by almost 100 electoral votes, and he had never actually lost the lead he held the night before. Then, at 11.14 a.m., on November 3rd, 1948, 
Thomas Dewey conceded the election to Harry Truman. After the final vote counts were tallied, Truman had won 303 electoral votes to Dewey's 189 and Thurman's 39. The next day, while traveling from his home in Missouri to Washington, D.C., Truman saw one of the Chicago Tribune's erroneous newspapers at a train station in St. Louis. A famous photograph shows a smiling Truman holding up this newspaper, basking in the glory of his victory. The massive upset in the 1948 presidential election would prove to be a tremendous victory not only for Truman, but also for the Democratic Party as a whole. Truman's campaign was able to win back Catholic and Jewish voters, two crucial Democratic voting blocs who had been alienated by Roosevelt. And in 1950, the Democrats won back both houses of Congress. Today, Truman is considered an above-average president, with history looking very favorably upon some of his decisions that were less popular back in the day. Even the Chicago Tribune, which had made the embarrassing mistake of calling the election prematurely, eventually was able to find the humor in the situation. On December 26, 1972, Truman died in Kansas City, Missouri at the age of 88. One year later, on the 25th anniversary of the 1948 presidential election, the Chicago Tribune gave Truman's family a plaque reading, you guessed it, Dewey defeats Truman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I certainly enjoyed writing it. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.